Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us. Uh, Today, our guest is the CEO of a company called Burrow Baby, and she has a really unique solution uh, to the fast fashion trends that we see in all levels of the fashion industry, but particularly in uh, children's clothing. And she's got a solution for us, and I'm excited to have her on. Welcome to Go Green Radio, Carolyn. Thanks so much for having me, Jill. You bet. Well, I would love to hear the origin story of your company. What prompted you to start Boral Baby and and what problem were you trying to solve? Yeah, absolutely. So um, kind of a long, longer story to getting to Borrow Baby's uh, real birth. But, um, you know, when when I tell people about Borrow Baby and they know it's, uh, uh, you know, we carry children's clothing, they automatically assume I have some sort of background in retail or fashion or merchandising. I'm actually a, a chemical engineer. I work yep, in engineering. Yep, and we're going to talk in, all about that a, for a yeah. long time in a little yeah. bit. But what did you start the company to, to do? What problem were you trying to solve? We're going to get into your background in a little bit, but let's talk about the yeah. origin story. So the, the, the problem was really that um, after I had my daughter, I was swimming in products that she was so quickly outgrowing. And um, with my background in engineering, I knew about more efficient systems that could be used to utilize products. And um, when, you know, I was, you know, overwhelmed with the amount of stuff I was accumulating in my small home, um, I looked into ways of, you know, responsibly recycling these products and learned that there really wasn't any solution in the United States to do that today, which I was surprised about and also a little not surprised about when it comes to our recycling infrastructure. Um, And so I, I... I set out to create a system that would uh, give parents access to the highest quality non-toxic products for their children, but also alleviate the pain points of having to store, hand down, donate, try to find someone else to use those products so that you're not throwing them out and feeling, feeling the guilt associated with being wasteful. I love that. I love that. What a great concept and what a huge problem, multi-generational problem. This has been going on for forever um, to solve. So talk to us about the products that you offer. Yep. So today we just offer children's clothing um, ages zero to six. And what we focus on offering is uh, organic uh, natural fibers that are non-toxic. So there's no toxic chemicals in them at all. Um, and we do that because obviously it's, it's the safest thing for your child to be in, but it's also the safest for the environment. And it gives us the ability to be able to recycle those products at end of life. Um, the, the issue today with most clothing is that it's non-recyclable. Um, it's usually a blend of multiple different types of fibers, synthetic and non-synthetic, and it makes it very, very difficult to actually handle it at, at the end of life. Um, so we really focus on um, you know, high quality organic monofibers, um, and, and also just very stylish. So when you look on our website, we really do have unique styles, things that are very, uh, unique to the American market. So, Mm -hmm. and what age ranges do you cover with your clothing at the moment? So today we cover ages zero to six or seven years old. Um, but we're quickly expanding on our on our product offerings. So the the whole premise of the company is really to prove that circular business models work, and then uh, slowly grow our product offering to serve mom better. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now you have a unique business model that allows customers to buy or rent your products. Talk to us about how that works. Absolutely. So I said before, waste is a, is a real problem, and that's across the board across many industries. And one of the reasons why it's a problem is because it's the the onus of the consumer. And that's something I just fundamentally don't agree with. So I don't think that products that other companies make, uh, every single you know individual American should be responsible for finding ways of recycling or, or eliminating that waste. I think companies should take back some of that responsibility. So what we do is we have this model where you can either rent from us. And what I mean by rent is, you know, the average rental length is about four months long. So it's the longer term rental period where you're holding on to products as long as you need them. Um, or you can also buy clothing and you get an incentive to return it when you no longer need it. Um, so it's the, the children's market is really unique. It's, it's uh, you know, underpinned by rapid growth. So you're, you're essentially buying products that you only need for a very limited amount of time. So the whole concept of ownership uh, of any sort of product in this age range doesn't really make, you know, a lot of sense economically or, or just fundamentally. So what we're doing is we're trying to alleviate that issue and transfer the responsibility back on us. Um, so you can, you know, the reason we offer both is because we want customers to feel comfortable. Not everyone is, is you know, um, completely comfortable with, with the rental um, model, um, but it's starting to become more and more commonplace, especially among younger cohorts of, of customers. But we offer the ability to do either or, and we do see moms uh, participate in both. You know, there was something interesting I saw on your website that pertains to the rental option. And you talk about, you know, some very important uh, concepts about how you clean the clothing that's yeah. available for rent. And I think that's important to highlight. Want to tell us more about that? Absolutely. I think uh, many people, when they think of renting, they think of like a rent the runway type of model. Uh, they dry clean clothing, which uses a group 2A carcinogen. I would never use that for children or infant clothing. It's quite dangerous. So we only wash with water-based detergents that are EWG verified. Um, and we, we also use UVC light technology to, to clean and kill any sort of bacteria. So we have a very rigorous uh, cleaning protocol. Um, a lot of people who, you know, rent or sell used clothes don't even clean them. So cleaning is definitely a big part of our process. And it gives our customers a lot of uh, confidence that they're getting high quality goods that are, are clean and safe all the time. Great. You know, when you think about your ideal target audience for your products, Carolyn, mm -hmm. who are they? What do they care about? And how are you fulfilling their needs? Mm -hmm. Yeah, obviously, our ideal target is is the American mom, right? Um, and we have, we have moms that are very environmentally and mission aligned with our environmental impact. We also focus heavily on, on ethical manufacturing. So we have a lot of moms that, that love that as well. But in general, um, uh, the reason we're targeting moms, uh, obviously we're selling children's clothing, so we're targeting moms, but I have a lot of faith in the collective action of mothers. So we are probably the strongest, most influential cohort of consumers or people in the United States, and I think we have the strongest network. Um, so when moms collectively want to do something, it gets done. And so I'm really putting a lot of faith in the um, collective mom community to really push the sustainability agenda forward, as well mm -hmm. as the circular economy agenda. So when, I, when, when we're interacting with moms, what do they care about? Some of them care about the environment 
everyone cares about their children, right? That's the the number one commonality you want what's best for your child and what's best for their future. So that's really why a lot of moms shop with us. They know that we're responsibly managing goods. They know that our products are non-toxic and safe for their children. So that makes their life a lot easier knowing that they, they can always rely on us for, for the highest quality goods for their children. And you have both online and storefront options for shopping. Talk to us a little bit about the challenges and rewards of offering your customers both options. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been amazing to see the growth of both. Um, I will say that uh, customers engage with us differently based on in-store and online. In-store, we only sell clothing, and online we sell and we rent clothing uh, because we like to centralize all of our, our rental operations out of our warehouse. Um, but I will say that it's been amazing to get in front of people and tell them our mission and see their reaction firsthand. Um, the, we, we call our, our stores discovery shops because it really is discovering a very different type of consumption model overall. And moms are so excited to participate and they really love being able to touch and feel. I think that's very important, especially when you're buying for your young child, to be able to see, touch, feel the product before you purchase. Um, but it's just been really amazing. I mean, we've only been doing, you know, brick and mortar, um, stores for six months or so. Um, and it's, it's been an amazing thing to see. And, it, you know, it, it also is an effective funnel to bring people online as well. So I think they both complement one another, um, very, it. very well and help us grow. I love it. And Carolyn, we're going to, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but while we're on that commercial break, folks, why don't you check out her website? It's borrowbaby.com, B-O-R-O-B-A-B-I.com. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be back with more Go Green Radio right after this. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us today. And if you're just tuning in, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Carolyn Butler. She's the co-founder and CEO of a company called Boro Baby. And you can check out their website at borobaby.com. That's B-O-R-O-B-A-B-I.com. And they've got a really unique solution for anyone who's shopping for children's clothes, uh, birth to six years old, um, I, I want you to take a look at this because it's really a unique business model. The products are unique um, and it's really helping us, who, those of us who are shopping for children's clothes, um, to have a sustainable solution that heretofore really hasn't existed. And so she's really doing something innovative. Carolyn, I want to talk to you about the behind the scenes operations of your business, because for a lot of consumers, they want to get to know the companies that they support. So first of all, let's talk about your supply chain for your products. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about supply chain on Go Green Radio, a lot. So talk to us about how you choose your suppliers and also how you monitor their operations. Absolutely. So um, most of our suppliers of our clothing, because we focus heavily on ethical manufacturing, it actually comes from Europe. Um, in an optimal world, I would source, you know, within 60 miles of my warehouse. But um, in the United States, we, uh, we manufacture less than 3% of the clothing that we consume here in the United States. So it's, um, it's definitely a challenge, but we're working as hard as we can to get American-based um, manufacturers on, on board. So the majority of our brands uh, do come from Europe, and we have a pretty rigorous vendor compliance that um, they have to fill out uh, by, by uh, yearly. So what we do is we actually grade them based on a few different factors, uh, their environmental impact, their energy usage, their water usage, their waste generation, the toxicity of their products, their social impact, and, uh, of course, quality assurance of, um, of their products. So we have, we have them go through this vendor compliance two times a year, and we also have them sign a code of conduct with us as well. So when thinking about manufacturing, there's a lot of things uh, that we're worried about and we want to collect information on. Um, you know, some of the main things are, are people paid a living wage? Uh, is there child labor? Um, these are things that are, are really prevalent in the fashion industry and definitely coming under the microscope. Um, these are things that we've, we've always cared about and we will, we refuse to work with, uh, vendors who do not pay, uh, their workers a, a living wage, not only a, a fair wage, but a living wage. Um, and, you know, obviously do not support child labor. Uh, we also really get into the manufacturing process. What is the content of the fiber? What is the material and what chemicals are added during the process? This matters a lot for safety, especially when you're dealing with very, very young children. Um, and then, of course, we want to know how they're manufacturing and what are they stewarding, as well as are these things really core to their business model, right? Are they, you know, core to what they care about? Um, and we've done a great job of putting, pulling together um, a really great um, team of vendors. So we have about 20 brand partnerships, um, and they're from all over the world. But um, these brands really do care about sustainability, environmental impact, and about people. 
Um, and I'm glad to say the majority of them are women-run, um, and so we really focus on getting more underrepresented uh, founders uh, to the table here as well. Mm-hmm. And and how do you monitor their operations? I mean, are they self-reporting? Do you do in-person audits? Um, you know, who verifies that what they put down on a survey or mm-hmm. you know a, a form is actually true? Absolutely. And so this is something we're actually just getting into now. I mean, we've we've been around for about a year and a half. So mm-hmm. we haven't gotten because of COVID to do in-person audits, but it's definitely mm-hmm. something that we have uh, on board to do in the next year. Um, one way around that is to really focus on third-party uh, certifications. So like GOT certification, OKO Tech certifications. If mm-hmm. their products carry those certifications, we know that uh, there has been an audit already of their manufacturing procedures, their societal and environmental impact. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about, you know, some of the metrics by which you um, you measure or evaluate your suppliers, um, are you looking to see that they track those metrics or are you looking for them to meet certain levels? Like for instance, with energy or water or chemicals mm-hmm. or those things. I mean, do you have certain you know, key performance indicators that would show that they're just tracking it or that they actually are performing at a certain rate? Yeah, I mean, this is very consistent with with B Corp as well, but basically you want to know that they're tracking it, period. There's a lot of companies that don't even track waste generation, water, energy usage. You want to see that they're tracking it, and you also want to see that they're making improvements on it year over year, quarter over quarter, uh, to to try to reduce the amount of energy consumption, water consumption, and waste generation. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, and this is is really the crux, isn't it? I mean, this is where Mm -hmm. so many companies um, have found that working with their supply chain might just be one of the most important things that they do to serve their customers well. In a lot of industries, you know, we've talked to companies who have really had to help their suppliers become more sustainable. Uh, Other companies have found that they're able to find suppliers who are already at the pinnacle of sustainability. Mm -hmm. Do you find that with your suppliers, you need to kind of lead and guide them towards greater sustainability goals, or are they already operating at optimal levels of sustainability to meet your needs? Yeah, I would say that all of our brand partners really do care about Uh, about sustainability, and it really is core to their values. So they're already working on it, and they're already making improvements. I mean, we have vendors that only use renewable energy or only carry GOT certified products, things like that. Um, I will say that in fashion, it's um, it's really a challenge because you have people saying like, oh, I used recycled this or recycle that. Um, for us and for our business model to work, we, are, uh, we stay far away from synthetic materials um, because of the challenges associated with recycling it and also because it is a finite resource uh, and we shouldn't be using finite resources for things that do not have very long lifespans. Mm-hmm. Um, and clothing historically, especially in the past 20 years, has a very short lifespan. So um, we have a lot of vendors who will say like, oh, we have this you know, recycled poly shirt, um, and we just, we refuse to carry it. So we are working with them to try to explain how products, um, you know, certain products don't work within our circular model. And then it's, it's been really amazing working with them. But the one thing to really point out here that's so fundamentally different about, about Borrow Baby is that we have access to data that no one else has ever had access to. So I understand durability because all of the clothes come back to me. 
No one else has ever seen that. The brands who manufacture the clothes, they don't know how long it lasts. They don't know if there's problems with the stitch pattern. They have no idea if something wears more than something else. They don't get any of this information back because they never see the clothes. So for the first time ever, we're actually feeding this information back to them in real time, and they're improving the way they manufacture. So we actually collect all of this data, and we use it to form durability scores for each product and estimate the um, useful life of each item that we carry. And then that helps us, um, you know, it informs us as to what we should be buying based on how long it will last. So we're learning a lot, and we're feeding this back. And luckily, we have really great brand partners. They're already changing how they make, oh, make clothing based on the, the feedback that we're giving them. That's real leadership, Carolyn. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. that, that is, that is real supply chain leadership. And that's one of the things that, you know, we've tried to find people just like you who are, who are leading their suppliers. Um, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes, you know, these suppliers can be very small operations and their level of understanding yep. and their level of um, accessing resources to become more sustainable is limited, but you know, having a partner like you um, can really help them improve, you know, you're talking about durability, but, you know, there's a lot of other improvements that you might be able to drive. And that is, that's real leadership. So congratulations on that. I'd love for you to talk to us a little bit more about the end of life solutions for your products. Mm -hmm. Who do you work with on the back end to ensure Mm -hmm. that your products are sustainably handled when they have reached the end of their use as clothing? How do you monitor this process? Yep. So we have a network of recycling partnerships throughout the United States. Um, so when it comes to recycling, I, I mentioned before, um, and what we what we call them in in like the circular economy groups, we call clothing today to be a monstrous hybrid. So it's usually a blend of a natural fiber and a synthetic fiber. It makes it very very difficult and today econo- economically impossible to recycle. Not that it's not. Um, technically possible, but if it's not economically possible, you know, nothing will really ever happen there. So we focus on monofibers. So, you know, monofibers that are organic, so cotton, linen, um, you know, wool, things like that. So what we do when we get clothing back, that's not, um, not good enough quality to re-rent or resell. We actually segment it based on the material uh, content. And then we have partners that recycle those specific materials. And there's different types of recycling. There's physical recycling and there's chemical recycling. And when I say recycling, I actually mean either physical or chemical recycling. A a lot of times people use that term inappropriately to just mean like reselling or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, basically putting it on a, on a, um, pallet and shipping it to another country where they will resell it there or burn it or, you know, landfill it. So when I say recycling, I'm actually referring to the actual processes where they break it down at a fiber level or a molecular level to form it into something new. Um, so we have partners that do that and those partners are based on the content. So you have certain companies that will recycle cotton, certain companies that will recycle wool. And we even have some brand partners that will take our wool back and use it to make new clothes which is fantastic because that's it really is. closing the loop because you're, you're recycling it back to make something um, of, uh, of an equal value. The and look really at that, folks, that's what you that, get when a scientist is a CEO. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, the, the, one, love it. the one area I will say is super interesting that we're just getting into and we're really innovating in this space is composting, textile composting. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody does this today, and one of the challenges with it is not only the material content, uh, whether it's natural or synthetic, 
but um, really the chemicals that are added during the processing. So we're the first company to actually test composting at, at a commercial scale, um, and we're um, you know working closely with other um, groups in circular economy and sustainability, like the Biomimic Institute, who's also testing this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we really see this um, as a great uh, outlet to be able to take clothing and return it back to the ground in a way that does not pollute the ground, but in, in fact actually nurtures the ground. Um, that's something that's really like the, the North Star of what we have for our products that we carry. Couldn't be more timely, Carolyn. I mean, first of all, love the Biomimicry Institute. Uh, they, their founder has been on the show a couple times. Um, but, you know, a lot of states um, and, and even before, you know, the current conflict, President Biden was talking about methane and, you know, the, the problem of sending things to landfills that um, could be otherwise disposed of in a way that that wouldn't create all that methane. Food waste is the biggest one, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of states, um, California, New Jersey, others mm-hmm. are, are passing laws to mandate composting. And so this really couldn't come at a better time. So I applaud you for being so on the leading edge of this. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we ha- come back, we've got so much more to talk about with Carolyn Butler, CEO of Boral Baby. So don't go away. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. 
Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all tune in today. We're talking with Carolyn Butler, who's the co-founder and CEO of a company that's just beginning, but they've got a very big start and they've got a bright future. The company's called Boro Baby. You can check out their website and I encourage you to do so at B-O-R-O-B-A. BI.com. Now, one of the things that I found so impressive when I first came across your company is that you are a B Corp and that mm-hmm. is no small thing. So I'd love to hear what mm-hmm. made you want to become a B Corp. Why was that important to you, Carolyn? So it was it, being a, a company that provides a social and environmental impact is that it's foundational to our business model. Um, that's what circularity can provide. And I wanted to know, I wanted everyone to know how serious we were about it. So even before we became B Corp, we actually formed the company as a public benefit corporation, which basically means you have a dual mandate. Um, not only do you make shareholders money, which is the traditional mandate every company operates with today, but you also have a mandate to provide a, a social benefit. Um, and that only kind of fed into becoming a B Corp as well. Um, you have to be in existence for a year before you can even apply, and we applied immediately after we hit that one year. Um, so we are one of the younger uh, B Corp uh, certified companies, uh, and it really is, if, I mean, I'm sure everyone listening now is, is very familiar with what B Corp is and what it means, um, but it really shows that, that we're taking this seriously and we're leading in this space, and, and this is how we operate our company um, it is absolutely foundational to be providing a social and environmental impact at all times. We are in the business um, of doing good, not only of making money. And I think that's super important for all future businesses to keep that in mind. It's not just about shareholders. It's about stakeholders. So your customers, your community, your employees, the environment, not just cash. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to make the assumption that all of our listeners know what a B Corp is. And so um, Mm -hmm. sometimes our listeners are, you know, college students and young professionals who really may have never taken a business class. They may not be aware of what a B Corp is. So um, I want to make sure that we, we cover this so that they emerge from this listening experience, empowered and aware. Walk us through the process of becoming a B Corp. I mean, how long did it take and what were the steps? Yeah. So B Corp basically gives you a, a, what they call a B impact assessment. And it is a, um, basically a self-reporting, um, you know, form that you have to fill out and they grade you based on a bunch of different factors. So governance, uh, how you're running your company, how you're structured, your workers, are you paying them a fair wage? Are you giving them benefits? Um, your community, what, what, uh, what value are you providing back to your local community? What types of jobs are you generating? Uh, the environment, uh, what is your environmental impact? What is your energy usage? What are your greenhouse gas emissions, et cetera? And your customers, are you actually providing the benefit that you say you're providing to your customers and to ensure that your customers are happy with that service? Um, so it's a lot to get graded on, especially when you're only a year old. Um, but I think the amazing part about that whole process was what we found and what I was anticipating is that uh, being circular, having a circular model foundationally that is built to provide an impact made this much easier. Most companies that are linear, in a sense, that are trying to get B Corp certified actually have to change how they operate in order to uh, reach the minimum 
score of uh, B Corp to be a B, uh, B Corp certified company, which is the score of 80. We were a year and a half in when we got our um, B Corp certification. We got a score of 91.2 on our very first try. So that really shows people the power of circular economy models and what they can give to um, business as well as the environment and, and the community. Was there anything that surprised you in the process, Carolyn? I mean, uh, for people who are listening, who are considering um, pursuing this same uh, degree of excellence, do you have any tips for companies who may want to follow your lead and pursue becoming a B Corp? Mm -hmm. So I think the fact that I knew I wanted to be B Corp from the beginning, I had always kept in mind um, everything that they were going to ask me about and made sure that I incorporated that as I was starting the business. Um, I also have a really great team that also cares about all of these things. So we were really always on top of the fact that we needed to be structured in a certain way so that we could always be providing this benefit. Um, so I would, I would really, you know, recommend to anyone trying to do this for an existing company to really think about what benefit you're providing and is your entire organization set up to provide that benefit, um, you know, and, and having that kind of North Star working towards that. Um, if you have a new company, I definitely encourage you to look through the, the impact assessment and look at the questions that they're asking you um, and make sure that you're monitoring these things and you're making improvements towards them. Mm -hmm. And and once you achieve B Corp status, what do you need to do to retain it? Talk about that process. Mm -hmm. So it's not a one and done type of thing, right? So mm -hmm. um, you know, being a B Corp means that you're pro you're providing a, a benefit to the public, to the environment, um, and they make sure that you are continually showing progress towards that. So you actually have to get recertified every three years. So even though it's self-reporting, they do audit you. And we were audited, of course, during the very first time. Then they come back every three years and they audit you again to make sure you're making progress towards those goals. So they actually give you a new score every three years. And as you notice, um, some of the leading companies you'll see, like Patagonia, their score goes up every three years, showing mm -hmm. that um, they're, they're providing more and more of a benefit and they're working towards being more effective in all of these areas. How much, you know, we were talking a lot about your supply chain in the last segment. How much of your supply chain program is incorporated into the B Corp standards and it also oh. into the B Corp, you know, retention process? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say probably our, our most points came from our environmental impact because we're so focused on sourcing organic, which is renewable, right? Mm -hmm. So anything that you can grow is renewable. Uh, so we stay away from synthetic materials because they're finite. So the fact that we focus on renewable uh, sources that are non-toxic was huge. And the fact that we're essentially recycling we're taking the responsibility to recycle or compost all of our end of life. I mean, we generally, I mean, when you look at it in that way, it's very close to zero waste um, and very low on, on negative environmental impact. Um, the mm -hmm. fact that these things are not going to landfill and creating greenhouse gas emissions, um, the fact that they're safer for your children, et cetera. Uh, we got a lot of points on, on our environmental impact um, mm -hmm. with respect to, to our supply chain and how we're set up to work. Perfect. You know, how, how do you present this B Corp status and its significance to your customers? I mean, particularly for customers that might not be aware of what a B Corp is. I am not sure, and you can tell me what your thoughts are on this. 
how savvy the moms of America are on B Corps. I just don't know. So talk to us about how you present this to your customers. Yeah, so it's definitely an educational uh, piece. And I think that in our business model in general, there's a lot of opportunities for educational, um, you know, to, to engage edu- with an educational hat on with our customers. You're correct. I don't think majority of moms do know what B Corp means, but the ones that do know find us because they are looking specifically to buy from companies that are um, B Corp certified because it shows their commitment in a real way instead of just, you know, greenwashing or saying that you care about certain things. But here we're actually showing it through data and through how we run our business. Um, So we just got B Corp certified about a month ago. So we're just starting to really push the narrative on what that means and how important it is. Um, I think it helps to have, you know, really big companies that everyone is brand loyal to because of their environmental impact, be B Corp certified. So it helps people understand what that means, you know, like Ben and Jerry's, uh, Patagonia, things like that. So people really understand when they, when, when they see, oh, these companies are, are in there with you. That makes sense. Um, but in, in general, I think there is still a lot of education that needs to go along with this. But B Corp is really picking up steam. One of the reasons it took us so long to get B Corp certified was just because there was a huge backlog. Um, and that means something. The fact that B Corp was backlogged with so many people applying for B, uh, B Corp certification means that uh, companies are starting to realize that this matters, uh, that this matters to customers, right? And that people are looking for this type of governance on your social and environmental impact. Um, and so it, it was amazing to see, obviously unfortunate that it took like, you know, six months longer than I was anticipating to get certified, but it was, uh, an amazing thing to see that, that so many companies were applying for the certification. Mm-hmm. It is pretty amazing. I mean, you know, it, it, there are some zip codes where you can search the B Corp, um, certification listing and there's nothing, um, or nothing mm-hmm. in any industry that that's really, B2C, business to consumer. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of B2B um, companies. And so in your space, what are you seeing? I mean, are you guys kind of the one and only in your space or uh, are there competitors that are that are B Corp as well? I think a lot of companies, I would say more established companies go for B Corp certification. Um, I, I, actually, I actually think that's not the right way of doing it, right? I think the mm-hmm. earlier you start, the better, because it helps create a structure to mm-hmm. continue to improve on these things. Mm-hmm. So um, I wouldn't say anyone directly in our space is B Corp certified, you know, like um, this concept of circularity, um, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of resellers. So Vestier Collective just got B Corp cert- certified recently. Um, and there's a, lot of, there's a lot more fashion brands. And I think the reason why there's a lot more fashion brands is because um, because of the issue with greenwashing. So it's very difficult to actually prove you're doing what you say you're doing um, versus just saying that you care or saying you're doing something. So I think B Corp kind of helps you um, rise up above that and show, you know, really the impact that you're making. I think that's true as well. There was something I wanted to ask you when we were talking about your supply chain, you know, you have an online store, people can send things back, you know, this, that's part of your rental model. Um, what are some of the things that you think about so that you're ensuring that your logistics are as sustainable as possible? Mm-hmm. What are, what are some of your shipping strategies, for instance? Yep. So one thing that we do, um, 
at Borrow Baby is we only ship out um, using reusable bags. So we have designed uh, reusable bags with a company called Returnity. We did this very, very early on. So we've been using these returnable bags since basically we launched. And what they are is it's a Borrow Baby branded bag. Uh, we put the clothes that you order for rental in there, uh, and we provide a, a free return shipping label with those clothes. So when you receive them, you have everything you need to make the return. There's no packaging waste associated with that. Um, and that's really important because, you know, it's just like so much cardboard boxes everywhere you yeah. look um, because of, you know, the rise of Amazon and things like that. So we try to reduce any sort of packaging waste um, as as like the first level. And and I think another thing to really point out about our business model that fundamentally makes it different from like a Rent the Runway or Stitch Fix is that we're not trying to push consumerism um, on our customers. What we're trying to do is provide a product uh, for when you need it and only when you need it. So what we're seeing, and we don't even, we don't require customers to do this, but what we're seeing is moms order from us and they hold on to the clothes for as long as they fit, which can be anywhere between like three and six months or until a season is over. And that's mm -hmm. really important because it actually reduces the amount of logistics in general. So when you look at all these other subscription mm -hmm. models, they're trying to push new product on you month on month. So they're shipping out new stuff every month. We're not doing that. We ship it to you once, you hold on to it for three or four months, and then when you no longer need it, you send it back to us. So I there's just that. a lot less mm -hmm. back and forth in shipping in general with our model because we're not trying to push products down the throat of our customers every every month. You know, it's so brilliant. You, know, you don't I love you don't it. need you really don't need that nope. much clothes for your child. So just nope. keep it when you need it and send it back when you don't. Brilliant. I love it, Carolyn. We're gonna take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have so much more to talk about. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad you're with us. And this has just been a great conversation with Carolyn Butler. But there's a few more things that we need to know about her. And we've been learning so much about her company. It gives us so much of a sense of peace when we know a company, we know the people involved, um, makes us want to support them even more. Uh, once again, I want you to check out her website. It's borobaby.com, B-O-R-O-B-A-B-I.com. So Carolyn, 
fun fact about you. Before you started Borrow Baby, you were a chemical engineer. Um, and I think it's really inspiring when engineers become entrepreneurs. It doesn't happen nearly enough. You guys have great brains. <laughs> um, but what did you need to learn in order to make that transition from chemical engineer to business owner? Yeah, I, um, I mean, my background in chemical engineering gave me a foundation in problem solving, and it also gave me a foundation in designing things to be efficient, profitable, um, and that's kind of why I never really understood uh, why other industries were so inefficient, because everything that you do in the chemical space, it's, it's very circular within the walls of uh, or the confines of the manufacturing facility. Um, so I, I always wondered, you know, why don't we do this outside? Um, I will say that it is very difficult for engineers to make that transition because we're always seen as subject matter experts in whatever it is that we're designing. So I did actually go back and get my uh, business degree. I got my MBA from Columbia, and that kind of helped me really put a business hat on and say, okay, how can I now take this model that I know so well and apply it to a completely different industry and kind of disrupt it? Uh, in a way to make it more uh, impactful and more profitable. Well, and I want to highlight that. I mean, obviously, Columbia is an awesome school, but but one of the things that you know, I I actually get the chance to meet young engineering students, undergrads, um, quite a bit, and you know, a, a lot of times their uh, schedules and their uh, curriculum mapping doesn't allow for business classes. And I think there mm -hmm. are some universities, I know my alma mater, the University of Illinois is trying to um, Im embed some business classes into some of the engineering um, curriculum because you know there, there is such an opportunity for success when engineers mm -hmm. go into the business world. But you know, you didn't just go into the business world to supervise. You became a CEO. I mean, that's the, the <laughs> leader of your company. So I'm wondering what skills and perspectives you brought from that phase of your life when you were a chemical engineer into mm -hmm. that ultimate leadership role in your company. Yeah, I, I do think, I mean, I had the opportunity to live in a lot of different countries and travel quite a bit. Um, and that was a, a very transformative uh, moment for me uh, because I really learned how to kind of be on my own and also um, just learn how different people interact and what matters in, in different countries. So I think that not only learning how to solve problems, but be able to like be on your own and make it um, was something that, that really helps me kind of uh, become a CEO. But I also think that, um, you know, all of the large chemical companies I worked for before, I never really felt that I aligned with them ethically with their environmental impact, uh, you know, with their support of women. And I knew that I wanted to build a company and I knew that, you know, I could, why can't I build a company where women want to work and they love to work mm -hmm. and, and where we do have impact and where we are ethical, but we, we are still a successful business. So I kind of reached a point where, um, you know, I, I really wanted to do something that I was proud of and that I knew, you know, my daughter would be proud of. Uh, and that kind of what what is what really helped me start the business. I love that. And it's a perfect segue to talk about the impressive team that you've built mm -hmm. uh, at Boro Baby. Talk to us about some of the people behind the brand. Yeah, I, it's been amazing to build this over the past two years or so with such a mission aligned team of people. And we definitely are majority women, majority mothers. Um, and it's just been really amazing. So we have... 
I mean, what we're proposing to do here with our circular model is disrupt traditional linear retail. Uh, And in order to do that, you need a very diverse a group of people. So we have, you know, um, retail veterans like Nancy Jacobson, um, and we have, you know, people in fashion like Maris who really understand the materials and have those relationships. And then we have, you know, Erica and Coms um, and, and Rich on growth that are really helping us position the community. Uh, because in the United States, I'm a big believer that uh, things happen when there's collective action um, on a people level. So really reaching people and getting them, um, you know, educated and aware of what we're trying to do and get them into our community. And that really involves a lot of um, authentic uh, organic growth, but also um, original content. We really want people to see our story come to life and be a part of it um, rather than like the traditional marketing. And then, of course, we have Casey, who's head of People and Planet, which is a... uh, a new role that we've created and she really spearheads all of the people impact both internal and external as well as environmental and and social impact. So it's been amazing. Our our team is, is, is really impressive. We're very, very lean (laughs) as, Mm -hmm. as startups are, and we're looking forward to the next phase where we can really grow. Well, speaking of the people who might be in the queue when you're ready to grow, a lot of our listeners are college students and young professionals, and they have a wide variety of interests and academic backgrounds, but they want to work on sustainability and they don't always see a clear path to a job in sustainability. Um, And I love to ask people like you who've had such a, a cool journey from where you started to what you're doing now, what advice do you have for these young folks Um, based on your career journey, you know, that you, you have experienced so much and it's led you to a place where I know that a lot of them will be like, I want to be just like her. (laughs) So what advice Uh do you have for them, Carolyn? My advice is to disrupt. Um, There aren't enough sustainable jobs out there because companies aren't prioritizing it. You have to understand that existing companies today, they have a, a single mandate to make their shareholders money. So trying to convert over to a more sustainable or circular model is usually at a cost to them. So there's not a clear business case as to why they would do that. And that's why they try to do the bare minimum and and things like that. The circular economy opportunity is $4.5 trillion by 2030. And Mm -hmm. I think the majority of that is going to come through disruption. So I encourage anyone who's listening to create create something that you know a a large company can't do, that you'll be more agile and you can do it better. Uh, And if you can get people to buy in, uh, it it will become something big and it will become something important and impactful. So um, I'm a big supporter of entrepreneurship. um, And of course, we will be hiring more people in the next six months. So you can look out for jobs on Borrow Baby's website as well. But um, I think uh, thinking about the next generation of, of people entering the workforce, I think you disrupt. Um, you know, companies don't live forever and there's reasons for that. So definitely Mm -hmm. take advantage of of this moment in time. That is great advice, Carolyn. I I, I just want to thank you so much for your leadership, your vision, um, your bravery to do this and and for joining us today on Go Green Radio. It was really, really a a great time listening to you and, and learning from you. So thank you so much for joining us. And thanks to all of our listeners for joining us too. We're gonna be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green.
Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.